evening, Patriots. And it's still Monday, March 28th in the year 2022. And things are really getting interesting. I think that's the easiest way to say it. As the world shakes and tremors and starts to fall apart, I'm pretty comfy. I'm sitting over here with God going, yeah, man, let's bring it. So it's not a bad time at all. One thing, though, we need to be aware of is making sure you are keeping your health strong and your immune system strong. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune system strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut. Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. Well, Patriots, I want to play something here. And you know how I, oh, you know I am about the Q movement. I, and I'm going to say this up front. I've said this many times. I loved Q as it began. I can't stand the Q worship that came out of this. And this is the first piece I've come across where I think someone actually framed it right, other than me. But hey, here you go. Listen to this. I know nobody wants me to talk about it, but I'm going to keep doing it anyway. Guys, go to the cue board and search Ukraine. Just the word Ukraine. You will learn so much right there. You were given a heads up, a roadmap, a study guide to this a long time ago. For all of you out there that keep saying that, that Q is a psyop and that it's a lie and all that kind of nonsense, give me a break. This was designed to help you understand what's coming and to be able to unpack it. That's what it's for. It talks about geolocations of Romney's son and Kerry's son. It talks about the largest donors uh, to the Clinton Foundation is Ukraine. It talks about how that it has this question mark. Where is George Soros? And then you got George Soros recently saying we should be standing with Ukraine. Hello, that is the first sign you don't stand with Ukraine. And yet everybody's <laughs> jumping on that bandwagon. Will you please wake up and realize this is not over? <laughs> I mean, that last part's epic. It's like, hello, hello, McFly. George Soros is standing with you. And you've got all these guys like, I'm going to go fight, man. A million rounds, that's it. I'm going for it. <clears throat> but it's the key thing he said there is, you know, the Q is a map. And it got turned into a Ouija board and an altar. That's what it got turned into. 
which is ridiculous. But Q as a, as a reference point, and it was always this thing of like future proves past, and it's like, okay, so if future proves past, that means I can prove the future by looking at Q tomorrow that I looked at it today. I mean, it's like dumb. So whatever. But it's just interesting. And there are a couple interesting posts here, and there was a couple posts that I came across that are specifically about Ukraine, and it's actually very interesting. So if you are so interested and so inclined, you can head over to wherever they're. I don't even know where they're keeping Q stuff these days. I think Shady Grove and In the Matrix still have it up. And I don't even go over there, but I know that they've got something. There's a couple Q posts if you're interested in following that. I'm, You know, my whole thing, and I've said this, and I really mean this, is that I'm not very interested in that sort of focus because it's taking the object away from what's happening right before us. And the one thing that is missed in most of the Q following is it doesn't relinquish people of their responsibility to use common sense and prepare. We're in that phase right now of a world, a global food crisis, and it's not a small issue at all. And that is going to be the critical part for everybody to realize we, I think Bard's nation is doing an exceptional job. I have to qualify that because I know I'll get, you know, it just happens and I, I'm not taking it personally. People think that like, Oh, you did, you, yeah, I'm doing stuff. You always say people aren't doing stuff. So let's take this, let's just make this a standard rule. When I'm talking about like broad generalities, I, in my head, I generally exclude Bard's nation from the world of idiocy. That's just something to keep in mind because I don't think Bard's Nation is part of that group. And if you are a part of that group and you're in Bard's Nation, make a decision because we don't need idiocy in Bard's Nation. So it's kind of simple. It's not difficult, you know. So, you know, it's like I'm confused. It's like I'm not confused. You're either an idiot or you're with Bard's Nation. I don't know. It's pretty simple. I guess that's kind of exclusive, isn't it? <laughs> That's all right. We're good tonight. It's a Monday night, and I'm on my second cup of coffee this evening, which is good. And I've already had my expedition coffee, too. I had that this morning, so that tells you what type of day I'm having. And by the way, I got more plants in today. I'm going to have to give like a daily planting report today at the Expedition Cafe headquarters, Homestead. We planted peppers, and we planted Something else. Brussels sprouts. That's it. That's what I planted. Brussels sprouts from starters. That's awesome. So keep that rolling. And do keep your planning series. Um, just a couple. I said this today on the show, and I wanted to share it tonight. And We're going to be doing a lot of this focus on sustainable gardening this week. And then hopefully we're going to do our first show on, on Clout Hub this weekend or early next week. One of the two. But it's going to be a live stream with with q and I've got a lot of technical stuff i got to work out. But here's just a couple of things to, to keep in mind. If you can grow in, these are, I'm looking a lot more at bag growing. And if you aren't familiar with bag growing, it's very much like container growing, except bags breathe a lot better. And I've mentioned before, there's a lot of sources for bags, okay? I have found one of the best sources for bags to be Haas, H-O-S-S, Tool. Haas Tools, T-O-O-L-E-L-S, Tools, Haas Tools. They're actually in Georgia, and they have a really high-quality 
uh, recycled fiber bag that they sell over there. Really good. And I have, I've put in 11 of them, six 100 gallon and five 45 gallon. And they're, just, they're really nice. So what I've been looking at from a space point of view, and, and I've never done this before, so this is all new. I've, been, I've done raised bed and uh, double dug bed growing. In my experience, bag growing and pot growing is new to me, as, as in container pot. I want to be clear about that. Someone's going to be like, oh, Bards just said he's going to be, he's going to be growing some marijuana. <laughs> no. <laughs> Though I am going to, I am just in t- full transparency. I am going to, tr- I am going to grow some hemp this year for health, but don't worry. You know, that sort of thing. It's like, you, you have to be so careful when you say stuff these days. Cause people are like, oh, did you hear that word? He said pot. It's like, yeah. I did. What, 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 what was that? Anyway, um, moving along, we, uh, wild lettuce, by the way, is another good one. There's a, I'll do the recording on that. There's a really good piece that was posted. I'll put it up in the Bard's family room on t- telegram, um, wild lettuce, really good. And how to, how to make a, a kind of a syrup out of it. And it's good for pain relief. But anyway, um, the bag growing, the reason I'm very interested in this is these are sorts of, I'm, I'm constantly looking at how in the urban environment we can expand out our spaces and you can maximize your space. So bags work well on porches, patios, and decks. They, and they're a small space with maximum type growing. So what types of things can you grow in bags that will give you high nutrition? And that's kind of the question that I've been posing. Potatoes are pretty easy to grow in bags. And I've started five bags with potatoes. I want to see what the yields are going to be like. I'm going to be doing a couple bags with peanuts. And peanuts are, not all climates can handle peanuts, but depending on the type of peanuts you select, they are really a wide range of climates they can handle. And if you have some greenhousing capability or something like that, you can really boost that up. So that gives you a protein. And uh, potatoes give you a base starch with other nutrients in them. Parsley, I've mentioned before, a fantastic crop. And there's others here. I'm just giving you some, kind of the stuff that I have in my background. And the other thing you can do really well with containers is are sweet potatoes. And why sweet potatoes are good, if you aren't aware of this, is the greens on sweet potatoes are edible. And they, they're like, you can use them in, in salads or you can use them in any kind of stir-fry-like collards. And they're high in vitamin C. And then you can also, the tubers of the sweet potato, and they're not a potato, as you know, they're a root. Uh, they take long to cure. So they I mean, like they'll take, they'll take four to five months, more like five months before they're ready in maturity. But the beauty of the sweet potato is it, it once it's cured out after you harvest it, it'll store well. Not all potatoes store well, by the way. So sweet potatoes store very well. Regular potatoes, you have to select the type that will store well. Some will sprout early on you. And I had a whole bunch of those go crazy. So just some pointers to think about as we talk about nutrition, keeping the body strong and so forth. But that gets us right into sowing seeds. And I think this is a really important perspective that we have to maintain. Obviously, there's a lot of discussion in the Bible about sowing seeds. And I, these, the concept of 
the sower is important and the concept of the sowing of seeds. So one of the things that we, we look at Scripture and we really hear a lot of that insight, which have a lot of agriculture insight, which is because it was very native to people and it's not native today, which is unfortunate. When Christ wrote, Christ said in, in uh, this is Matthew 13, beginning at 3, and he told them many things in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seeds fell beside the road. As he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up immediately because they had no depth of soil. But after the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. But others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, at some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times as much. The one who has ears, let him hear. First thing is, just from a, a, position, a point of view of, of the concept of sowing seeds in your garden, all of that, if, you are, if you've done gardening, makes sense. And I think that's some of the brilliance of all of this, is in Christ's teachings, so much of it was very obvious of what he was talking about. It was in the culture and in the time. I said a long time ago that if you really want to talk to people, study the parables. If you want to get into, help them understand and lead them to Christ, study the parables. And I do believe this. And again, in this whole discussion right now, in there, everything about what was what Christ said there was and is endemic to gardening. It's just smart in gardening or agriculture of how you have to handle seeds but it also reflects very deeply on us. And a couple of the key things, obviously, is that mishandling of seeds, and if you're just going to scatter them on the ground, you're not going to get any yield. It's all about tending the garden, right? And I don't know if you, how much you know, but I mean, obviously, I'm assuming people have a pretty good base knowledge of gardening. Soil is critical and tilth is critical. So in your sowing seeds and you're sowing seeds on the hard ground, they aren't going to have a way to get into the soil and root because the, the ground's going to be too hard for them to start. That lives into our life. And it lives into our life a great way. So if we're going to be very hardened of heart and we're going to be rigid in a way we see things, especially right now as the world is changing, we're going to have a very difficult time. In fact, I'd argue we probably won't do too well those that are trying to stay either in the matrix or stay rigid in everything that they do. And I, I use that on both ends. We have the those that want you know, to stay with the whole concept of liberal progressive values, which is nuts, or those that are going to take a legalist view of Scripture, which is difficult because God doesn't work that rigidly. And especially right now as we're moving so many people, as we built that intimate relationship with Christ, we're trying to get to that place. And in fact, it's said when Christ talks about what the sower is explained, and I'll read that, it's right there in the last sentence. So the sower explained, listen, this is 
Matthew 18. Listen then to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. I want to stop there. I think that's incredibly important. And go one more, a little bit more. This is the one sown with seed beside the road. So if we're, if we're going to come into this and we're, one hears the word of the kingdom, it has no context, there's not going to be anything to be able to take root. And that leads to us as an obligation as we're sowing in our neighborhoods and sowing in our communities, the principle of sowing seeds. We are going to need to make sure that there's a, we are helping people understand. There are so many people out there right now that are wandering and they literally don't have a reference point in a relationship with Christ. What they have too often is a reference point of a bad experience in church. And these days, I would say that has increased exponentially. There are a tremendous number of people out here who are truly seeking Christ. They may not fit the way you see that see it or I see it, but they are truly seeking Christ. And I've had these conversations with pastors, and I talked a lot about some of the anons, which takes us at the beginning when I mentioned Q. When 8chan was open, which later became 8kun, and a lot of the discussions were happening around Q, and that was the real active time, 2017, 2018 to mid-2019. Here's what was really fantastic. People were literally writing things like, I can prove evil exists, therefore I can prove God exists, which is pretty phenomenal. And from there, they were starting their walk towards Christ. And there was a lot of them that were awakening. And here's the other piece that was interesting, though, but it's important to understand. The language that they're going to use is not going to fit the way that would be acceptable in church. In fact, there's a lot of pretty coarse language used, but there was amazing amount of reverence for Christ. And I've, I brought this up to pastors and I'm like, look, do you see this? You read it and, the, and some will be like, wow, that's kind of harsh language. And I'm like, read past the word that they're putting, read into the body of what they're saying. And once they saw that, they're like, wow, these people are, are trying to seek. And it's like, right, but they've never had a context. So right as Christ said, listen then to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in the heart. That is the one sown with seeds beside the road. And then we're going to continue here. The one sown with seed in the rocky places this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And there was a lot of this, by the way, on, on that channel. Yet has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately he falls away. Boy, does that happen a lot. So it's a big vulnerability for people to accept and speak of Christ and Yet, if we're going to be the first ones out the gate to go, dude, you can't speak that way. We're not helping the situation. 
And this has been my exact argument all along. It's like, no, I don't necessarily, I, we have to have some patience. Let's put it this way. The, the, some of the words are pretty rough. And yet the intent and the desire and the joy and the excitement is all there. So what is our role? And it's really stewardship. And I think that continues with this whole parable. And it goes on, and the one sown with seed among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word and the anxiety of the world and the deceitfulness of the wealth choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And that can happen because if there isn't a reference point for somebody to reach over, like in the communities that some of these folks are working in, and they don't have a anybody else to speak to within common tongue, and they've gotten excited with it, yet they're choked around all the other deceitfulness of the world, they're going to pull away. And I, I really believe that God is just, you know, God's going to seed out there many things, and people are going to grab onto it. And, and it's a matter of once they touch it and they feel it, it does move people. God's word moves people. Like I said, when you read people on the board and they're like, literal testimonies that were saying things like, I've never believed in, in God. I've never believed in Jesus. I mean, these are real testimonies. I'm paraphrasing, but many of them like this. But I've proven the existence of true evil. And if true evil exists, then God has to exist. And they, would, they were turning to Christ. And with that, a whole bunch of other really pretty coarse language. But that's okay. And it really is. It, it really isn't a place for us to jump in and intercede on judge. I mean, I've talked about this many times before. Can you imagine the conversations that Christ had with the prostitutes and the tax collectors? You cannot tell me that those were like pristine pew style conversations. Those were coarse. I don't care how you cut it. And Christ sat with them and talked with them and listened to them. And that's the key piece. And as we are encountering this in the world, and we're going to encounter a lot of it, we really have the obligation to listen and to encourage. And I, and I realize some people are going to get uncomfortable with this, and it's maybe not your walk, and I'm just going to say it that way. Okay. I'm not going to, it may not be your walk to interact with some of these folks because you're, you're going to find it like, I can't stand it. I don't like any of this language. Okay, that's cool. No judgment. But if we're going to reach a lot of these folks that have never had a context with God, never had a good relationship with Jesus, how else are they going to learn? I mean, if we're, if we're going to learn and, and bring the ruler and rack the knuckles, don't expect to build a lot of relationships of joy. But if we're going to work with grace and listen and guide them, that's, to me, that's the beautiful role and the opportunity that God has put before us. It's no different than nurturing a plant. You know, when you do your starters, which I'm, I start most, anything that can be started in, in starters trays, I do. And anything I can do under a grow light initially, I do because the opportunity for it to grow better is there. 
But I truly labor when I go to plant these. I labor over every seedling. And I'm serious about this. Because every seedling has an opportunity and I try to select the best, but I'm always cognizant of the fact that maybe the one that looks the best to me isn't going to be the strongest in the soil. And you don't really know. And it's a process of trying to select and look at the whole concept of the plant. But I can tell you today, I threw out a couple that were looked pretty good. But when you got down to the roots and where things were, they just weren't coming together well. And it was the smaller ones that were actually looking stronger. That's part of us nurturing and guiding. And it isn't the perfect one that's going to always grow the strongest. And if we haven't learned anything, I mean, if we should have learned one thing from this last couple of years is that the shaping and forming that's coming out of the churches isn't getting us a lot of places. We have, our pastors have taken the walk off the short plank. Some, they try to take a longer plank. They ended up in the same place. We've had churches show their true colors. We've had obedient flocks follow the wrong path. You know, and it should have been the churches and it should have been the congregations that led the resistance to this whole thing, but instead they all cowered down to fear. And yet when you look outward and you have a lot of these, and I'm going to go back to like these anons and others like them, the youth, some folks that are out here that aren't even youth, they're just adults that are just trying to find a way now and they're reaching into that place of spirituality. We have to appreciate, I think, the, also the vulnerability. Remember where they're coming from. It's a big deal to step into that place and to say, you know, I've accepted Christ in my life. And, man, when they do, it's they risk and they usually suffer the total ostracization from their communities. Now, if you remember, there's um, I'm going to say she's got, I think she's got kind of green hair. She was a young liberal that switched over to be a Trump supporter. And I, I just think back, I cannot think of her name right now, but really beautiful story because she was on Twitter and she had come out to say that she had was going to come over to the Trump side and she was greeted with just this enormous outpouring of love. And she did this piece, kind of a TikTok style piece. And she was just didn't even know how to handle the emotion. And she said so. I didn't know how to handle the emotion. Fast forward to last summer. And so this was somebody that was like hardcore lefty. That And so this goes back to about 20, roughly 2019. Fast forward to last summer. Not only has she come over to accept Trump, but she's engaged with a guy and now she's accepted Jesus and she openly says it. And it was hard for her to say it, but that's somebody has tremendous courage. Oh, someone just put it up. Rose. Yes. Thank you. That's her name was Rose. And I can't, I couldn't put it together, but it was Rose. Judy Rose. A beautiful story. Beautiful story. And it's something I like to benchmark and it's so Jody Rose. So it's so Jody or Judy, I guess Jody Rose. So important that we keep those stories in mind, especially as we are out here sowing seeds. 
and if if immediately the turnoff and rip, and we're going to repel somebody because they drop an f bomb or they they drop a couple other words, you're like, oh, I can't deal with these heathens. Well, sorry. Apparently, you would condemn Christ as well because he sat with the prostitutes. Okay? Full disclosure. I've never told the story before. Buckle up because here's one for you. And I can already hear it. Oh, boy. I'm just going to go full in on this one. Whatever. Here it goes. Back in 2005, I took on a project, a photo project that was a really interesting and very difficult photo project. And that photo project is I went in and filmed the still photography and built photo essays on several of the strippers in a strip club called Devil's Point. It's in Portland, Oregon, by the way. And Devil's Point is owned by Frank Mungian, who is also, as I learned, I mean, this was a deep story, and it was crazy because I got into the whole human sex trafficking side. I got into the whole drug network, and I got into, like, who the kingpins were running the whole drugs in Portland. It was a difficult story to do. I spent in and out of the strip club over a month, and I got to know a number of the strippers. I'm the conversations and the personas that they put on, man, this is crazy. It's like out there, way out there. When you get to know the people, they're human. And it's been one of the biggest benchmarks, a reminder in my life. It's like, wow, we, we all put on these fronts and there's an amazing depth of people. Once we get, take time to listen and to understand them. And you start to hear the real stories. And those real stories have to do with sexual abuse when they're young, addictions, living on the street, being trafficked within the, the whole network of this, of this whole strip club network, drug abuse, living I mean, just, just the exploitation that goes on in this system is phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's, and it's so, it's heartbreaking even to witness. And I've witnessed it where people literally, I mean, they have to pay a fee every night to go up on stage, whether they make money or not. And if they don't make money, it goes onto a ledger and they have to pay it back. So I've seen people make money for their rent and literally have to hand it all over to the owner and facing eviction because they have no money for rent or food. This is it is a wicked life. And if we don't understand those, and I've made a commitment in my life that if we don't take the time to understand this, we're never going to understand each other. I did another project in Portland called, and I, it was called While We Sleep, and I spent a, over a month. I, I had my business, and I'd do my business, and I would come back at night, and I would walk the streets for from around 10 o'clock at night until three in the morning. And I did this for a month and my, I would go to my job at six in the morning. I mean, it was like my normal day, which is like living on three and a half hours of sleep. And the whole project I did was taking photography and meeting the homeless at night and getting to see how they actually lived. Until we do these things, we don't have an appreciation for what our humanity is. You don't get to meet the people that are just 
absolute true cases of casualty of our society. Like the old woman, beautifully dressed, about 80, 75 to 80 years old, who had lost, had no money to maintain herself in her retirement home and was evicted. And when I came across her, she was sleeping on the pavement in a beautiful long coat with a couple of suitcases, had never been on the street before. That's real. If we are not taking time to reach out to people and listen to them and sow the seeds, we're not doing our job. And I, I feel very strongly about that. And that's, those were all the things that I had done before I went to Afghanistan. And I would say probably one of the reasons Afghanistan was so second nature to me and in meeting people, do they allowed me in. I mean, there's some crazy stuff in Portland. Trust me. Oh, man. I don't know if you know what human suspension is. That's one that'll get you going. They literally take hooks and they put them through their skin, big hooks, and they hoist themselves up in the air. The hooks are through their skin and they hoist themselves up in the air and they call it, they say it's a euphoric experience. Trust me, I'm not doing it. But I was there. They asked me to come in and do the photography to film them. Like I said, there's some interesting folks up there. And it is a crazy things that we experience, but if we're not out there willing to go to those places, listen to what people have to say, we're never going to build bridges. So building bridges in a neighborhood isn't that difficult. When I hear people say to me, oh, I'm surrounded by blue and I don't know what to do. I'm like, sounds to me like God put you in a perfect place. Sounds to me like God set you up for a tremendous amount of success to be able to reach out and build bridges with people that otherwise wouldn't know who he is. The biggest thing about all this, and I'm going to continue then with the last part of this, of Matthew's 13, starting at 24. But the one sown with seed on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, some 30 times as much. Well, how are you going to get good soil if you've never known it? And this is where, I, again, I love the entire principle of restorative agriculture, sustainable gardening, restorative agriculture. You've heard me mention many times John Jevons that was part of Ecology in Action, also Bountiful Gardens at one point. He wrote the book and textbook that I basically follow, which is How to Grow More Vegetables. Why his work caught my attention, was not just another run-of-the-mill guy how to, t how to grow another garden. It's how they started. And how they started was down in the Bay Area where they took over an industrial lot that had been graded down to where it was just raw clay. All the topsoil was gone. And they set up an experimental farm there, and I want to say it lasted for five years. Might have been three. 
but in the span of the time they had it there, roughly five years, they created the equivalent through proper growing methods and proper soil stewardship. They created the equivalent of over 50 years to 100 years of humus development. That's the macrobiotic activity in the soil. That's the process of great stewardship. And the metaphor applies here to everything we're doing. A lot of people out here are just hard clay. They haven't had an experience. They haven't had an encounter. They don't have a context for God other than a church of some fashion. And some have been molested. And some have been molested separately. Some have been molested through the church. There are a range of issues of damaged people out here that have good reason not to trust. And so then you have that kind of hotty toddy person coming in and they hears them and they, they get some equivalent version of that language is inappropriate for God and you are going to hell. Trust me when I say that is not a way to win friends and favor among people. They need a friend, and they need someone to listen, and they need someone to guide them. I had an encounter a while back, and I had not even mentioned Christ or anything. We just had a general conversation about life. But it's evident when I'm around people where my faith is. I don't make that a mystery, but we didn't get into that deep discussion. But I just tried to let Jesus just flow through me. And it was a very interesting experience because this was the second or third meeting I had with this person. And they, they said they made a, some reference in something, and they used a swear word, which is I didn't even think about it. I was, and immediately they're like, wow, I'm so, I, I didn't mean to do that. I'm sorry. And they corrected himself. And I'm like, well, that's Jesus working right there. So my encouragement is just really powerful. I mean, I, I guess my encouragement is to be in a very powerful place with people and to walk in that place where we're listening. I've said, I've talked about that a lot. I think it's important. And I, there's a lot of people that need to be heard. And we have to remember that we we are literally stewarding a garden and there are many seeds that have been sown. And sometimes when we encounter them, sometimes those seeds are not well placed. They're not on fertile soil. Other times they're starting to grow, but they're surrounded by, by weeds or thorns. And sometimes they're on rocks, but if we're doing our job, we're going to help bring some life to that. We can steward it and nurture it. We can give it strength, and it will find good root. And then we just kind of have to let God do his work because God does miraculous things. Let us not forget that because it's not, we're, we're just the stewards. It's worth remembering. I've seen some amazing things happen with people that I never thought possible. All because all that it took was just a little bit of listening and letting God do the rest. That's pretty profound to witness. Let's pray. Father, we're blessed in the time that we're here. 
And Jesus, we're honored by the words that we've read of yours, the red letter language tonight, the reminder of the power of the sower and the parables of the sower. As we walk in these days, we just pray for the hearts to open and our discernment to be at its best. We pray for our ability to sow as many seeds, but also to be respective of the seeds that are sown and the nurturing that they need. Let us not be quick to judge. Let us walk truly with the ears of you, Father, as you guide us. And Jesus, let us remind, be reminded of the amazing temperance that you extended for all peoples and an ability to bring the message and the love of God into each other's hearts. We are too often short in memory to, to, and need to be reminded that many people don't have a context in this day and age of a world and a, and a land that has moved far away from the worship of you, God. So, Jesus, we just ask that you can be with us in each of these steps. So we guide us and remind us, give us that gentle touch and that reminder to listen closely, to have temperance and grace. And in the process, help those seeds get good root to grow strong and to find that true and intimate relationship with you. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. So many great lessons that come from the garden. And I think there's a lot said that so many great lessons that come from just tending to the land. Teddy Roosevelt was one of our great presidents. One of, in all said, actually my favorite president. He was a rough rider, which was essentially a mercenary group that fought down in Cuba. And he was a hard worker. He had a strong work ethic, devout Christian. He is also the one who was a naturalist, not an environmentalist, but a naturalist, but understood the value of preserving key parts of lands for future generations while also stewarding the land for the resources we needed. Today, he'd probably be cast out as some sort of hybrid liberal, and we wouldn't listen to him much. At least I don't think so. And it's that's how far we've kind of swung around things. We need to get that balance back in our leadership, in our leadership in this nation, and I don't mean that in government necessarily. But we need to have the strong voices of God that speak scripture and reference scripture. We need to have that strong examples for our youth to see and understand. And the transition that we're in is going to be tough because it's been out of our culture so long that it's going to sound foreign and even almost strange. And the, the propaganda that's been around that has been so intense that there's a lot to overcome. But if we're willing to take the stand and be bold in God's name, we can be assured that God will be right there with us to help those words reach the hearts that need to be reached. But it takes us to lead. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. This is a really important time 
for us to build the bridges and nurture the gardens, both physically and metaphorically. God is with us, and he will never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we're here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific, until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see it now. I can see it now.
the tides Out on the freeway Let it ease my mind We run away sometimes When belonging becomes something to find We always come back To what we know Keep it close on the cold days, darling Counting all the ways you are a safe place to hide from the rain